great day of worship, wasn't it? Thank you, Dan. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn over to Luke chapter 17, that's where we're going to be headed this morning. Luke chapter 17. And uh, talking about grateful versus ungrateful. Worthy door into the holiday this season is uh, Thanksgiving. And as we look at, the, at Thanksgiving, we're reminded of the roots of where this all started. In 1611, after the winter of 1610 had reduced the number of settlers from 406 down to 60, uh, they prayed for help, and God answered in the form of a ship that was filled with food and supplies from England. They thanked him. They stopped. They had Thanksgiving. In 1621, another band of 46 Puritans and 91 Native Americans held a special day of Thanksgiving to praise the Lord for the bountiful harvest that they had. Uh, the precious winter had reduced their numbers from 102 down to about 46. And you may wonder, what were they thanking the Lord for after such trials, after the numbers being reduced from the cold, harsh winters? They were thanking God for His grace. In 1789, George Washington uh, declared a national day of thanksgiving. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln, in the middle of the Civil War, uh, established that the, that the last Thursday of November would be a day of thanksgiving in America. He said, let it be a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in the heavens. And so Congress finally came down, and now we have it as the fourth Thursday of, uh, of, of November. And so, as you start thinking about Thanksgiving, though, I find that Thanksgiving is a far cry from what those first people did. They were thanking God. There was just a few of them left, and they're thanking God for who He is, thanking God for the harvest that He had given them. But uh, think about what Thanksgiving could be this week on Thursday. It has become a day of football, hasn't it? There's football games all over the day. Uh, it's become a day of feasting. Uh, you know, we have to really watch what's going to be taking place on Thursday. And it's also become a day who will become the first to see who will be first in the malls, isn't it? You know, it's like Black Friday starts. I think Black Friday is actually starting on Thursday now. It's 6 o'clock. And it's, it's just like this whole thing, this whole picture is different. And we're not thinking about Thanksgiving in the way that we once did. But as, as we think about this, being grateful versus ungrateful, I want, to, I want, to, I want you to think about the, the second word there, ungrateful. And I think so many times we fall into this category that we're ungrateful. Um, we don't even realize it. Quite often, I'm not the one who can realize that I'm ungrateful. Uh, other people are able to spot it out before I spot it in my life. I know that my wife can spot out when I've been ungrateful. It's amazing how that she can find that in me more than I can find it in me. And I can find it in her more than she can find, than she can find it in herself. And we have these discussions. I'll say, now that wasn't too nice. That was ungrateful. And she'll say the same of me. And we have this discussion that goes back and forth. Why? Because we're, we, we tend to be focused and we're looking at what we're looking for. And uh, when somebody else is able on the outside, they're able to say, hey, you know, this, this deal of, uh, you've got to be a little bit more thankful. I thought you would be more thankful for what I've done. After all, all I've done for you, and you couldn't even be thankful. I mean, have you ever had somebody say that? Or maybe you've thought that about somebody. You said, after all that they've done for me, I couldn't even say thank you. Um, to start with today, let's go to Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And we're going to look here at a passage on gratitude. 
In this passage, we, we've been sharing this downstairs with our children's ministry. But as I was thinking about today, I was like, this is a really good passage to help us think about thanksgiving and this attitude of gratitude before our Lord. Now, now it happened, verse 11, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. So as we start the passage, we see that Jesus is making his final descent. He's on his way. It's one of his last journeys down to Jerusalem. It's near the end of his ministry. And he comes between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria and Galilee. And he's kind of on the outskirts of Samaria, outside of Galilee. And as he makes that journey there, he stops in a small village. And he meets these men, ten men, who had leprosy. Now I want you to think with me about leprosy. We don't think about leprosy too much in our culture, do we? Because it's just not something that we have to deal with anymore. Um, I've read that there are some places that still have to deal with it in our world. But for us as Americans in our country, we don't often think about leprosy. But there is another disease that you're thinking about out there, Ebola. And when you hear the scare that our country has put on of Ebola, when somebody lands in our country with Ebola, what do we do? We quarantine them. We, we make this. This person has to stay away from everybody because we don't want this to spread. And that is very similar what leprosy was like. Uh, it, was a common, it was a little bit more common, obviously, than Ebola in our day. But uh, leprosy was a skin condition. And literally, it would, it would eat away at the flesh. It would even eat away at the digits coming down the fingers, coming down the toes. And it, would just, it was destroying these people's lives, the people that had it. Leviticus 13.3 tells us uh, of how the priest had to deal with it. If you had leprosy, under the Old Testament law, you had to go before the priest. And the priest would make a determination if it indeed was leprosy. So he would, he would look, at the, look at, the, at the skin issue, and if they made a determination that this was indeed leprosy, then the priest would declare you unclean. And you would only be allowed to be with other people who had leprosy. You were not allowed to come in to worship. You were not allowed to be a part of normal society. You couldn't go to the market. You couldn't do anything. As a matter of fact, you had to, um, you had to be with other people. And as somebody came near to you, uh, you had to yell, unclean, unclean. So the only people that were with lepers were other lepers. And so the, here were ten lepers, and, uh, and they, were, they were going through, and they had this, this down, outcasted life. Nobody could talk to them. They were outcasted. Ken Geyer writes this of leprosy, uh, of, of the life of a leper. He says, there he lives, the leper, without love, without hope, without the simple joys and dignities of life. Being smiled at. Uh, without the simple dignities of life, such as being smiled at, being greeted on the street, buying fresh fruit in the market, talking politics in the public fountain, laughing, getting to go to work, appreciating uh, uh, operating a business, haggling over prices with a shopkeeper, getting a wedding invitation, singing hymns in the synagogue, celebrating Passover with the family, all of these were barred to him forever. So here was the life of these men. They were literally dying inch by inch. And as they were, were together, these ten men, they stood afar off. 
Their life was miserable. Their life was downcast. And Jesus sees them from afar off. They see him. And uh, the, the scripture doesn't tell us how far that they're standing off. If you look in the Old Testament, the Old Testament doesn't tell us how far that they were required to stand off. But many people believe it was around 50 yards. So think about 50 yards away. And these 10 lepers see Jesus. And they yell out to him. Verse 13. It says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was. As they went, they were cleansed. These men found hope on that day. They found hope for they were yelling out, they were crying out, Master, have mercy on us. I want you to think of the kind of this droning, miserable cry of these people. Because they, they couldn't even be connected to society in any way. And so they're standing afar off and they yell out to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And the idea behind that word master is really chief commander. They're saying, Jesus, you're the chief commander. You, ha you have chief command over all disease, chief command over all this world, over all life. And they recognize him and they say, chief commander, have mercy on us. Jesus didn't consider the distinction between clean and unclean from a person's body. Jesus always talked about the uncleanness that came out of the heart. But Jesus here did a miracle. And so they were standing afar off. And Jesus says from that distance, he says, go show yourself to the priest. Now that may sound a little odd to us. Go show yourself to the priest. Why would he go? Why would he tell him? Uh, you know, these men are, are crying out for mercy. Lord, heal me. Do something. Change my life. They needed to be set free from leprosy. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Well, just like the priest had to make a declaration that they were unclean, in order for, that, for these men to be declared clean and to be integrated back into society, to have all the joys of, of life again, to be free and set into community, they had to go before the priest. And Jesus here knew the Old Testament law. He knew the proper procedure. And so as he tells them to go, they are healed. He says, go show yourself to the priest. And, uh, and so, uh, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus here does this miracle and cleanses them but they have a little bit of faith and they trust what the master tells them to do. And so as they're going on their journey, they walk, out the, uh, walk down, to, heading toward the priest. And just imagine what's going on in the minds of some of these guys. Um, okay, why, why are we going to the priest? Well, the master just told us. So they have faith and they start heading that way. But it often doesn't make sense. Why, why, would he, why wouldn't he heal us first? And as they're going... They were healed. And they took a step of faith. They obeyed the master and they walked in the right direction. And God did the miracle. And, and they're looking down at their hands. And they see this, this malady that destroyed their life. That had just held them hostage and captivated them. Now there they are and God heals them. They're transformed as they're walking. And they're going their way. Chuck Swindoll once said, Faith believes in advance. What only makes sense in reverse. I like that. Faith believes in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Many times God calls us to do something and you say, well, I just don't understand that. 
Uh, you look throughout the scripture over and over. Look through all those Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament writings, and you'll see that, wow, over and over he told them to do something that just didn't compute, at least from a human standpoint. But it did from God's standpoint. And so these men had a step of faith. They obeyed the Lord. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Look at verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. You're taking notes. I have a, a few blanks on there. The first one in there is that Jesus healed all ten lepers. He healed all ten lepers. As those ten went, he went down, and it says, as they went, they were made whole. God took care of this disease. He took care of it, and they were healed on the way. Ten lepers walking away as they were heading down to the priest who will grant them this new status that they would be cured, that they would no longer be clean. They no longer have to hide behind and yell unclean when anybody else comes their way. Uh, they could be integrated back into society, but all ten of them were healed, but only one expressed gratitude to Jesus. Only one out of all ten now, here's ten men. They're walking away. Jesus, from a distance, heals them. It says, go to the priest. And, and the priest was going to be the one that would let them go back into society. But one of these lepers turns around and he comes back to Jesus. And Luke points out here, he says, and by the way, he was a Samaritan. The Samaritan and the Jews did not talk to each other. They, they, they didn't have any communication with each other. It was, it was uh, the, the, the tension. It was a, a horrible tension between the two. And so he had, not only was he a leper, he was a Samaritan. So when you think of the Samaritan, here, here it was, out of the ten, Jesus was a Jew. These other nine Jews didn't come back and thank him. It was the one who had the double malady. The one who had leprosy. And was the outcast of being a Samaritan. He comes back and he, look what it says there. It says that he fell, verse 16. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He fell down. He cried out with a loud voice. There was a verbalization that happened. He opened up. He talked to God. This is the guy who returns. He cries out to the Lord and expresses his gratitude. So Jesus answered and said, verse 17, So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Jesus is saying, Didn't I heal Ten? Where are the other nine? Now think about this. When, when we're being, talking about grateful versus ungrateful, here were nine men, ten men who were healed. Nine didn't come back and thank him. But one comes back and has this, has this ability to express gratitude. He gets down on the, on the ground, throws himself at, at the feet of Jesus and says, Lord, thank you. You have transformed my life. You have made a difference in my life. I am a new person because of what you've just done. And he cries out to him. Grateful versus ungrateful. Don't you think that the other nine men, as they were walking, 
were inside saying, man, I am so happy I don't have leprosy anymore. They were certainly happy for the gift, but they neglected the giver. They were saying, I am so thankful for what has happened to me. My life has changed. I'm transformed. We are going to the priest. We are going to get back into society. I'll be able to go to the market and buy an apple again. I'll be able to go and sing a hymn in church. But this one doesn't make it to the priest first. He sacrifices his personal gain of getting released to go back and have thanksgiving. He goes back and thanks the Lord. He expresses gratitude before the Lord before he continued the next step of his journey, before the gain continued. He's a different man now. God has changed his life. God changed all their lives that day, but this one has come back. I want you to think about our lives. As we think about our life, you know, we, we think of leprosy, this unclean disease, and they were, they were outcasted. We have... We have something that makes us unclean. It's called sin. And our sin has separated us from God. And when we think of all the sin that we have in our life and how sin is, God's kept us away from, uh, that we've kept ourselves away from God because of our sin. And He dies on the cross and He comes back to life to pay for your sin. And He says, I'm going to set you free. Are we the one that comes back? Are we like the nine that just keeps going and say, wow, I have this, God's changed my life. I'm a free man. I get to go out and do, uh, I get to follow, follow and have a new life. Or am I the one who comes back and kneels before the Lord and says, thank you. God, thank you. And I get, and I have this attitude of gratitude. Our gratitude goes to God first. And when we come and we uh, get, uh, have that that reverence before him, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you have done. Lord, you've transformed my life. You've removed, my, removed the sin from my life. I don't have to pay for the penalty of sin. You wrapped that up on the cross for me. You've given me freedom. And Lord, I come and I thank you for that. Do I keep, am I like the nine? Or am I like the one? Do I keep coming back? Um, our gratitude goes first and foremost to God. But I want you also to think about gratitude in our lives. Quite often, we, we take people for granted. Have you ever noticed that? In your family, you may take somebody for granted. I don't know. Sometimes um, husbands and wives have a tendency to do this, where we, where we take each other for granted. Don't realize what my wife has always done for me. She doesn't realize what you've always done for her. Uh, our children, we take them for granted. And we, we just think, well, that's the way it's going to be. They're always, they're always going to be there. And we, we think that they're always going to do what they have done. And maybe sometimes we think, well, they owe that to me. They, they, they need to do that. You know, she needs to cook. He needs to work. He need, and we get this idea of, okay, I'm entitled to some of these things. But in the meantime, we're not really entitled to any of them, are we? We're entitled to give them thanks. When somebody has come and they, they have done something... Our response is to give them thanks. And I want you to think about the mom uh, that has gone out and made a special meal for her family. And as she's made a special meal, she's taken extra time out of her day, disrupted her routine, and she goes out and she, she says, I'm, I'm going to make this special meal because it's my kid's favorite meal, my husband's favorite meal, and this is going to be a great day in our house. It's just a Tuesday. It's not any fancy day. It's not a holiday. But she slaves and she prepares and she has an expectation 
that her family is going to be really thanking her for what she's done. And she calls the family in for dinner. The children come in to dinner. The husband comes in for dinner. And all of a sudden, everybody starts eating. And they're just having a good old time. But the, the talk doesn't come up and say, thank you, Mom. The talk becomes what we have to do for basketball. We have practice tonight. The talk becomes about what Dad's doing at work. And everything goes every other way except for the fact that they did not appreciate their mother. They did not appreciate the fact all the work that she has done. And what do you think is going on in the mother's mind? Think she's happy at that point? No, she's got a little bit of anger that's starting at that point. She's, uh, wow, this is, the, you know, I can't believe. After all that I have done, they couldn't even say, thank you, Mom. Thank you. That you that's my favorite meal. They couldn't even say, thank you. And so, as you think about gratitude, uh, when we express gratitude, it changes everything in somebody else's life. Uh, for a family member, if I express my gratitude and tell my wife, and my, or my wife tells me how much that we appreciate each other, that changes our relationship. Uh, whenever I tell my kids how much I appreciate them and I thank them for who they are, it changes them. But we have to start first with God. We start with God. We, we come and give our thanksgiving to Him. But whenever we, if we don't communicate uh, gratitude, it communicates ingratitude. In other words, if I don't come and express it, and I'm just quiet on the subject, that family, as they were sitting there, they thought, uh, the mother thought, well, these kids aren't very thankful. They may have been truly thankful inside, but they didn't come and, and, re, and express it. So if we don't express our gratitude, it comes across as though we are ungrateful. Psalm 107 verse 8 says this, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I like what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, what's your gratitude quotient? What's your gratitude quotient? In other words, go home and think about how grateful am I? You know, we get all, as you look at this passage, you look and you say, well, look at the nine guys. Those nine guys didn't come back. How ungrateful. They've been cured of leprosy. But ask yourself this question. How often do we take our blessings for granted and fail to thank the Lord? How often do we take those blessings for granted? God has done so much for us, but yet we don't focus. We get all upset because of what we don't have. We get upset because something didn't go my way, because I don't understand God's plan in my life, instead of coming back and thanking Him for what He has done. You see, there are many disappointments in life, and too, we are too often to forget, in the midst of our disappointments, what God is, has done for us. We are content to enjoy the gift, but we forget the giver. Psalm 103, we'll put that on the screen there again. There. Um, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Spurgeon said that we, are, we often write our blessings in the sand and yet we engrave our complaints in the marble. Now think about that. We come and God's given us all this great blessing and we just... Put that in the sand where the water will come and wash it off. But my complaint, 
the things that, that I'm upset with, the things that I, that, wow, look, God, this didn't happen. In the meantime, God says, I've done all these other things for you, and this, I'm working in my time. I found that to be most, most often what happens. God is working something in his time, and, and I get frustrated over here, but God is doing something, and he's changing me. He's changing my situation. He's working. We pray for God to open and close doors, and sometimes when you're asking for an open door, he has to close another door. We weren't looking for that. We were looking for me all the time. And so God says, I have something in plan. So what, what are we to do? We're to come back and we're to offer him thanks. Thank him that he saved your soul. Thank him that he's given you life. Thank him for all the abundant blessings. Consider who he is and respond to his character. He's faithful. He's just. He is always on his throne. He didn't leave the throne whenever you thought he did. He didn't leave the throne whenever you... Whenever you experience that, that moment of doubt, he's still there. God gave us his only son, and often we never give him a word of thanks. Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7 says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith, and as you were taught, and overflowing with kindness. Just as you receive the Lord, continue, be rooted, take your roots down deep into Christ. And, and this is where we come. He says, and strengthen your faith through what you were taught. That's the word of God. So we get down deep into Christ. We get down deep into his word. And he says this, and overflowing with thanksgiving. Overflowing with thanksgiving. Think about that. I want you to think about your life. Is your life this? characterized by an overflowing of thanksgiving. The concept here is to have an abundance, to have extra thanksgiving. And thankfulness here is kind of like the language of thanksgiving, the language of gratitude. So now I have, as my life, characterized by this overflowing, is there extra that comes out of me whenever you bump into me? You know, if I had a glass of water here and I filled it all the way up to the top and you bumped into me, the water is going to spill out because it's just, it's just at the brim. It's just going to keep coming. It's, it's overflowing. And when we think about our life, are we overflowing with thankfulness? Or are we stuck on the things that I want? Are we stuck on the things that don't happen in my time? Are we stuck on things that, that, that we shouldn't be stuck on? Are we overflowing with thankfulness? In the midst of all situations of life, we are to be overflowing with thankfulness. Now, I had a teacher years ago over at South Hills Christian here. He, he carried a cup of coffee. He had a mug. And he would come down the hall, and he would just carry it like this. Okay? And I, I don't know if you know what happens when a man walks with a cup of coffee like that. You know what come out of his cup? Coffee. And every, every I, I can remember, I can still see him. He was our math teacher. He would come in, and as he walked down, this coffee would always be overflowing. And it was like, I think he must have filled it up constantly because there was always coffee spilling out of his cup. We used to, we used to have a good time at his expense, no doubt. But we were, we, were, uh, we were watching that cup just overflow. And as he did that, I, I was just thinking about that today. Uh, here's the man, his cup was always flowing. It was always coming overflowing. That's what God wants our life to be like. 
always overflowing. What's coming out of you? When somebody bumps into you, are they getting negativity? Or are they getting the thankfulness of a great God? Think about this. The great God of the universe who saved your soul, and I am going to be consumed with negativity. I'm going to be consumed with what went wrong. God says to come and thank him. That's where we're to be rooted in him, to allow him. See, when I'm rooted in Christ, I'm not rooted in my circumstances. I've got to be rooted in Christ. And as I take my roots down deep into Christ, those circumstances will always change. But my life is to be overflowing with thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. So many times, quite often, we tend to be ungrateful when we are focused on what we don't have. When we focus on what we don't have, we tend to be ungrateful. And there's the verse there that helps us to remedy that. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He's not saying to give thanks because of your circumstances. There are so many negative things that you have to deal with, so many things that are, that are, are bad in life that we have to deal with things. He's not saying... Come and give thanks because life was bad. He's saying to come and give thanks in the midst of those bad things that you're dealing with. In the midst of the trials, in the midst of the tribulations, give thanks. So often, when we we are focused on what we don't have, we become people that are ungrateful. Uh, But when we do express our gratitude, okay, we want to be people that express gratitude. Not just, we don't want to be like the nine who just walked away. And they were certainly happy that they didn't have leprosy anymore. We want to be like the one who came back and expressed his gratitude before God. So when we express our gratitude to God, when we give thanks, first of all, we, come, we become free from worry. God takes worry out of our life. Look at it, uh, Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. So there's, there's how we deal with remedy, uh, with worry. That's the remedy for worry. God says, if, take worry out and put in prayer and thanksgiving. Tell him what you need and thank him for all that he has done. You also be a person of peace. Look at verse 7, Philippians 4, 7. The very next verse says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So if you want to have peace in your life, come back and give prayer and thanksgiving. We come before God. There's troubles that we have to deal with. Yes. There's disappointments. Yes. I come before God. I make my requests known to Him. I tell Him about everything and give Him thanks. Then I will have peace. See that word, then? then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. I've been experiencing peace in my life, and I'm thankful for the peace that God has given me because it doesn't matter what's happening in the circumstances of life. It matters what God is doing. And I can ride all the waves of life because I have His peace. Look, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. 
So we are to be people of thanksgiving. As we come before him, we're to thank him. Uh, we're to be, as you express your gratitude, you become a positive person. What do you think about, about that? Positive people don't go around complaining. People who are people of thanksgiving and are, are people that are grateful, they don't go around complaining. And, and uh, God hears our prayers. He also hears our complaints. And he knows, what we're, what we're counting our, uh, he knows if we're counting our blessings or if we're envious of our neighbor's blessings. Every time we complain about our health, our possessions, our families, our jobs, do you know we're actually complaining about what God has provided for you? Now think about that. We live in, in America where we look at my neighbor's blessing. I look at their job. I look at their house. I look at all these things and I'm like, wow, they really got it made. Why didn't God do that for me? In the meantime, look what God's given me. He's given me my job. He's given me all these things, my house. And I get my mind, I get my focus off of thanking God for what he's done in my life. And I become into this envious. Strengthen your relationship. When we express our gratitude, it will strengthen your relationships. It will transform my relationships. The people in your life need to hear you say that you appreciate them. It doesn't matter that we have it inside. They need to hear it from us. And I want you to think today about the people in your life. Who do you need to go and say, I'm thankful for you? Think about the husband and wife that haven't talked about how they appreciate each other in years. And if they would just start to say, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being the, the mother to my children. Thank you for... Thank you to the husband for his work and father to the children. And start listing these things and begin to be thankful. And it will transform your relationships. They need to hear it from us. It will transform relationships at your work. It will transform all the people that you're dealing with as we become people of thanksgiving. And it just overflows. This is our overflowing. We're thanking God. We're going to also be people of gratitude, thanking those around us. And then lastly, it strengthens your faith. It will make your, strong, your faith stronger. You have a stronger faith. Look at what, uh, if, what the last verse there, verse 19 in our passage here from Luke 17. And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Arise and go your way, for your faith has made you well. And when I think about being a person of praise to the Lord, a person of gratitude, sending thanks to the Lord, um, that's what this man did. He came back. What do we know about the other nine? They were healed of leprosy. What do we know about the one who came back? He was healed of leprosy. But he was a man of thanksgiving. And what did Jesus tell the one? He says, your, your faith, arise Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith grows. It will become stronger as you thank him. Why? Because now you're not thinking about what could go wrong. You are thinking about, God, I thank you for all that you have done. And so every day we need to reset ourselves and come back and thank him. Thank him. Thank him. This is not just something that we do around a holiday. This is something that we're to do every day. That we stand before the Lord and we praise Him and we thank Him. Offer our thanksgiving unto the Lord. If you look all throughout the Bible, it says over and over, give thanks. 
give thanks. It doesn't say feel thankfulness. It says give thanks. Well, in the Old Testament, they came before the Lord. They gave a thanksgiving offering. They gave thanks. And what is our job? We are to be people that give thanks. Come before the Lord and give thanks. So as we close our service this morning, Brandon has some paper. He's going to come around grab a few people to help him. And I'm going to ask you just to take this. It's a blank sheet of paper. And I'm going to ask you to begin to, uh, to say thank you to God. Let's start here and today and just take that sheet of paper and take a pen as the musicians come. They're going to close our service. I'm going to ask Dan to sing. I'm going to ask you not to sing. And as he sings, would you just take some time and just write this list down. Lord, I thank you for, and begin, and just put it in there. Start with, okay, God, I thank you for saving my soul. God, I thank you for all that you have done in my life, for the joy that you've given me. God, I thank you for the peace that you've given me. And just begin there. And then start to look at to your family. Lord, thank you for my family. And you know, this is what God's called us to do all over the Scripture. Give thanks. And then as, as you're writing that, uh, I want to encourage you. We're going to take our service and end with that today. And then we're going to come back on Wednesday. I wanna, would you please take that home and think about it. Spend some time with God tomorrow morning. Spend some time with God on Tuesday. And, and ask Him to reveal to you things that you've been ungrateful in. Because there are so many times I don't often see how that I'm ungrateful. I need somebody from the outside. I think God can reveal to us more about our ungratefulness than anybody. And ask God, Lord, how have I been ungrateful? What have I been taking for granted in my life? And start to write them down. Or, Lord, I thank you. And just tell him. Use that language of thankfulness before the Lord. And as you write those down, you'll have a list. And then come in. Come into church on Wednesday. Don't put your name on this list. Come into church Wednesday night as we have a, a Thanksgiving offering. We'll have an opportunity for you to give these unto the Lord. And that'll be our, our presentation of a Thanksgiving offering before the Lord. But why don't you start this morning? Let's give thanks. Then I want you to think about the people in your life that need to hear thank you from you. Maybe there are people in your life, in your family, you're going to be around relatives this week. God's given you some opportunities to make a big difference. And you can start by saying thank you. You may have all kind of issues going on, but you can start with saying thank you. I am grateful. I'm grateful to God for you. And I'm grateful for what you have done. And ask the Lord this week, who do you need to say thank you to? And who do you need to say that more often to on a regular basis? And let him transform our lives by coming to him and thanking him. Father God, we come before you and I thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you so much, Lord, for, for how that you have transformed our lives. You've, you've given us this freedom. We don't have to live under the bondage of sin. You've given us a home in heaven. You've given us peace given us joy. You have changed our lives. God, I ask you today that you will transform us as we take steps of obedience and become thankful people of God.
your precious name we pray. Amen. As Dan sings, would you take some time and just write those in and give thanks to the Lord.